It's been nearly 10 years since the state's Public Service Commission approved a petition to establish and fund operations for the New York Green Bank, which was designed to facilitate clean energy developments across the Empire State. And after an initial capitalization of about $218 million, the Green Bank has now surpassed more than $2 billion in financial commitments, according to a recent announcement. For more on the status of the state's environmentally friendly financial institution and where it goes from here, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Andrew Kessler, president of the New York Green Bank. Welcome back to the show, Andrew. Thank you, David. How are you? I'm doing good. So what is the significance of the $2 billion in financial commitments, especially in comparison to when the Green Bank closed its first transaction back in 2015? Well, I would say, you know, it's demonstrative that this model has succeeded. You know, we set up New York Green Bank beginning in 2013 to accelerate and animate financial markets to bring in private capital into important sectors that were required to be animated in order to affect the energy transition. These are very ambitious goals that New York State has set, and so it's critical for private capital to flow into these areas so that uh, these developments and improvements can be funded and built. And when we launched the fund, you know, it was... um, uh, relatively new. We've now become, we are the largest green bank in, in the country. And I think we've demonstrated the success of the model. We are now self-sustaining and have been since 2017. And our capital is flowing into areas where we are seeing funding gaps. And as that capital flows, as we close into precedence, as we prove out that transacting on market-based terms in these important sectors is good business, is profitable, can lead to successful investments, folks follow suit. And that's exactly what we've been doing in community solar, for example, and other important segments of of the market that we've been focusing into recently. And also importantly, from an equity standpoint, demonstrating that the benefits of clean energy investments can and should benefit all New Yorkers. And that's what I think the last 10 years have demonstrated in a nutshell. Well, can you flesh that idea out a little bit more, this principle that the New York Green Bank's job is to identify areas that might not necessarily be perceived as as ripe for investment, but you guys have made investments in green initiatives, and and subsequently there has been private dollars flowing there in in your wake. Yeah, exactly. Look, these funding gaps persist for a a variety of reasons. Um, You know, there's a There's very often there are economically viable business models and projects out there that just can't attract the capital necessary to get them funded on reasonable market terms. Uh, It could be because the financing needs are too small or or are perceived as, quote unquote, bespoke. And therefore, there's a lack of interest by the commercial lending market to focus in on these areas. It could be because of a lack of understanding and precedent around the risks associated with the technology type or the business model. Generally speaking, there's a lack and limited amount of precedent. And so what we do is we we go out and close into these areas and demonstrate that these transactions can be successful. And often we pull in side-by-side lenders, commercial and commercial banks and other specialty impact investors into our transactions, really teaching them to fish in some ways. And pretty soon as these precedents become uh, widely uh, dispersed, 
the structures are shared transparently, uh, pretty soon these sectors start to become more and more attractive to the private sector. And you see the private sector directly investing in their own transactions. That gives us a very clear sense that the model has been working. And then we shift focus where the where gaps continue to persist. So as I mentioned before, Community Solar was a great example of where we saw that, where we started doing the first transactions back in 2017, 2018. And now we have one of the most robust and healthy community solar markets in the United States. And we're doing the exact same thing now in clean transportation, in storage, uh, and in uh, building the electrification. Well, the last time we spoke was in August of 2021, when you just completed uh, your first round of private capital financing, bringing in a little more than $300 million from Bank of America, which was set, at least at the time, to be invested in energy efficiency projects, specifically those that could impact disadvantaged communities. Uh, so nearly two years later, how is that process going? Well, it's been going very well, uh, David. Our projects within within building electrification have accelerated significantly since then, and we can certainly get get statistics back to you after after this conversation. But you know, we are now in a position where we've launched a very aggressive uh, program to e- to further that acceleration even even more. It's called the Community Decarbonization Fund. It is a two hundred fifty million dollar funding pathway to capitalize the balance sheets of CDFIs and other community-based lenders uh, with the use of proceeds directed for disadvantaged communities and for, for the most part, we're directing that towards building electrification and related improvements. And so by providing that capital at a low cost, uh, that incentivizes that segment of the lending population to focus into and service their communities where they're already present, where they already have relationships, and where they can source transactions that we may not be aware of directly. And so it's been a very interesting model to effectively be a wholesale lender to other smaller institutions to further accelerate that model. And what, if anything, then, I guess, did you learn from that first round of private capital financing in terms of how you raise private money or or how you invest private capital? Well, the capital itself that we were sourcing from the, from Bank of America was was via the monetization of, of a, a portion of our portfolio. So that just released, that created the liquidity necessary to, for us to continue to invest in into the demand for our capital. So there wasn't a real wholesale change in our approach. It was just in, incremental liquidity that allowed us to continue the programs. And it was very successful. Um, you know, we are at this point uh, fairly well capitalized. We may see another opportunity to uh, to increase liquidity in sometime towards the, the latter half of next year. Uh, and that may come sooner as well through uh, through potential funding from the federal government in particular, the uh, Greenhouse Gas Reduction Fund of the IRA. And in terms of money that you get out the door, are you only limited based on your capacity as a bank and I guess the personnel you have to oversee things? Or or are you limited based on the opportunities that present themselves? And if there's only so many places to invest, that's what you're limited by. Certainly, the, the the latter is 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 very true. We, we we're not developers. We can't create the projects 
that we would then invest in. So, you know, this is a partnership between ourselves as, as capital providers and the development and sponsor community. So clearly uh, there needs to be um, continued project development that needs financing that is then struggling to access uh, capital to to get those projects across the goal line. And that's that's where we come in. But otherwise, David, our capital is meant to be quite flexible. Flexibility is very important in the gap filling business. You want to be able to address funding gaps that might persist in a variety of places in the capital stack, variety of places in the um, development um, uh, in the in the in the development of a project. Sometimes we come in early stage, pre-construction. That's where the funding gap might be. Uh, and we enable that project to then successfully access um, and unlock construction capital. Sometimes we come in at the construction phase uh, where there may be reluctance by the private sector to get involved in, in construction activities that, again, might be perceived as too small or too complicated. And we demonstrate that, in fact, uh, it's not, uh, in fact, that difficult. Uh, once you set up a program to do that. And sometimes we come in post-construction to provide the certainty of capital for a project to to operate and reach cash flow uh, profitability. So it really depends on the situation. Yes, we can't create wave a magic wand and and uh, uh, and expect our capital to to fund certain sectors. We need those projects to to get to a development stage where there's financing necessary and needed. But importantly, once it is there, we can use the flexibility that we have to help accelerate the, the completion of the project by filling gaps that might be identified by the sponsor as needed. Well, finally, what are your long-term visions for the Green Bank? Say, a decade from now, what do you hope the Green Bank is doing? What would you hope the scope of the Green Bank looks like, for example? I think the Green Bank will continue to evolve alongside the market. So it's it's impossible to know where the market will be in 10 years. But I know that in all likelihood, David, funding gaps will continue to persist. Why? Because technology is constantly innovating, innovating um, new approaches, new business models. Uh, today, we're looking at you know challenges in the marketplace for how do you finance charging infrastructure? Um, how do you find the cash flow certainty to get lenders and other investors comfortable in making long-term bets in that space? Today, we're looking at storage is another example where uh, the business model there is highly variable. And uh, there's a lack of precedent for how to approach that type of risk. Uh, you know, in 10 years from now, we're, we're hopefully going to be talking about different innovations that have different challenges. Uh, that uh, that require different approaches. But in all cases, hopefully we are continuing as a New York Green Bank to identify ways where our capital can be on market-based terms uh, injected into a capital stack to get a project across the goal line to create the precedence necessary to bring comfort to the private sector that investing in clean energy in New York State 10 years from now continues to be a profitable and good business model. Moving forward, do you think there's any need for additional 
oversight of the Green Bank, especially if you do expand in scope and size, whether that's having, say, the Department of Financial Services monitor you in some way or have NYSERDA step things up in some shape or form? Or do you feel like the appropriate checks and balances are there moving forward? I think the appropriate checks and balances are there now. And we have excellent partnerships with those that, that currently oversee and govern uh, New York Green Bank's activities, um, from the board of NYSERDA to the Department of, of Public Service uh, and other important stakeholders. We're constantly engaging with folks, uh, ensuring that they're, they're kept informed. Uh, we have pretty extensive reporting requirements that provide full transparency of our activities and the efficacy of our activities. Uh, and I think the guidance that we're getting from those that that provide governance and leadership to New York Green Bank continues to challenge us uh, and keep us focused on uh, applying our capital in ways that make have the greatest impact. Uh, and so I think today we're in pretty good shape for the, the challenges of of tomorrow. You know, in the in the event that the the business model were to change dramatically, perhaps there would be uh, an opportunity to think about other. Uh, entities to get involved in, in helping shape our direction. But as of today, David, I think we're we're quite adequately governed. Well, we've been speaking with Andrew Kessler. He is the president of the New York Green Bank. Andrew, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. David, thanks so much for having us and for your interest in New York Green Bank. And for more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capital Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.